Here we go. Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Evans Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Got a sore elbow. I was out uh, at Stick and Puck, passing around the puck with my wife. And uh, Oh, actually, she was rushing in on me, practicing her rushes, and I fell to the ice, stumbled to the ice as I was making a transition. (laughs) Banged up my elbow pretty good. You didn't elbow her. I did not. (laughs) <laughs> all righty you you awkwardly stumbled to the ice you should have tried out for the oilers tonight david you would have looked right at home out there <sighs> god what a game what a crap show that was bruce hmm. all right so the oilers lost five two the grade a shots were 16 to 13 for the oilers and the five alarm shots were nine each. So grade A shots have about a, you know, they average about 25% chance of going in. So it's, you know, 20% plus shots of going in are considered grade A shots by us. And um, the five alarm shots are about, they go in about a third of the time. It's, we we base a five alarm shot on a breakaway. Uh, The shootout percentage and the average shootout percentage in the NHL, if I'm not mistaken, is around 33%. So that's what a five alarm shot is. And both teams had nine. It was a really high event game for both teams. Um, This was not a strong defensive game for either team. It could have been won by either team. But Edmonton just had uh, the weaker goaltending, frankly. And this was with a couple goals called back where... Um, Smith looked good on neither of the Mike Smith. So we're going to get into that, Bruce. This is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. What is your good thing? All right. My good thing is going to be Oilers video coach, Jeremy Kupel, and video assistant, Jason Petrowski. If he's involved in this specific aspect, I don't know. I expect it's probably Kupel's work. Uh, Detecting two... Uh, razor-thin offsides at the uh, Edmonton Brew line on a pair of would-be Montreal goals. And those two calls uh, kind of kept Edmonton in the game for longer than they should have. But um, uh, he did his job. Trouble was when uh, the shorthand or when the uh, Montreal power play goal was uh, disallowed, they had to put 27 seconds back on the power play clock. And that was too much. The Oilers had 40 seconds of power play to kill. And I said to my wife, geez, that's a lot of time to be putting back on the clock. Do you, how much faith do you have that they're going to kill this one off? And sure enough, they uh, they couldn't withstand even 40 seconds of uh, of second life after uh, uh, Jeremy Kupel, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, uh, uh, got the call right for a second time. And Oilers actually won three video challenges in this game, and they still lost by three goals to the 32nd place team in the National Hockey League. How's that? That's crappy. Hard to find right. other good things with the, facing those startling facts. Yeah. So my good thing was the play of Philip Broberry. Um, is he still 20? I think he's still 20 years old if i'm not mistaken yeah yeah yeah. his birthday's in june i think yeah anyway uh order's first drawn draft pick 
few years ago and um you know a controversial pick it's turned out to be i've always from my viewings of the player i've always thought he was had a ton of potential and tonight i think we saw a little bit of it at the nhl mm-hmm. level which is the most encouraging thing of all because that's where it's got to happen um it, when we've watched him uh in uh lesser leagues in the nhl there's he's been inconsistent there's been some games where he's really been good uh and gets involved in the play and is assertive. And that's what we saw for the first time, I think, at the NHL level tonight. Maybe we've seen seen it a bit before. But he's advanced from getting blown into smithereens in the preseason with hits, which was happening constantly when he first, earlier this year, in the preseason games, to tonight, Bruce, I thought he was the Oilers' best defenseman. And... Um, he kept a clean sheet, which means that he he wasn't didn't make a major mistake on one grade A shot against at even strength. Um, he was rushing the puck, making all kinds of plays. Um, there was uh, early on there was a uh, very nice stretch pass. It kind of just uh, dissected the Habs defense right to McDavid, who sent in McLeod. Then I think on that kind of breakaway-ish chance that McLeod had early on in the game. Um, then uh, we also saw uh, McDavid and Drysaddle later in the game. They sent in uh, Brobery himself rushing in, uh, coming down the wing and cutting into the middle. And we're, this is a play he can make at the NHL level, I believe, when he starts to get really involved. He's he's a, a strong player rushing the puck. And McDavid also set him up. Nima Linen charged into the corner, kind of caused a lot of ruckus. The puck pops to McDavid, who then set up uh, Brobery in the slot for a one-timer, which was a really nice shot. Um, one of the five alarm shots. So, strong game on the attack. Uh, strong game on defense. And, man, I have no idea, Bruce, how he did not get a penalty called. from. He got slashed right in the face, in the head, in the third period. And, um, you know, there'd been a lesser one, lesser similar play called earlier, I think, in the third period against the Oilers. How did they miss that? I mean, just bam, right in the face and no call. Anyway, I don't know if it would have made a difference, but he, it was really encouraging for him to play that kind of game, particularly in a game where Cole Caulfield was, was a star, played really well. And, you know, one of the players that, that people who criticize the, the drafting of Brobury point out, like, you know, they had Zegris, they could have had Zegris, they could have had Boldy, they could have had Caulfield. This is completely fair comment. At the time, many people viewed these players as potential NHL uh, top six forwards, even yep. top line forwards. Yep. So, you know, Edmonton made the decision that they needed more help on defense. Looking at their defense not tonight, wrong Bruce, <laughs> not ro- they were not wrong. They're not wrong. So if Philip Broberry can continue to develop, I it can still be a win and maybe a huge win for the Oilers. It's it's yet to be seen, right? We don't know. But we know he's having a really good year in the AHL, in the American Hockey League. He's their number one defenseman when he's down there. Not bad for a 20-year-old. And mm-hmm. um, we got a taste of it tonight uh, in Edmonton. Yeah, this was, what I would say, by far his best game that he's played in the NHL. And you called him Oilers' best defenseman. I think Doing the grades, I think I'm going to grade him as the Oilers' best player in this game. Like I, I, I saw him in a very positive light, and this was a game where I guess positive lights really shone brightly compared to all the other dim bulbs up and down the lineup. But the uh, uh, 
uh, he had uh, two very, very good shots on net himself. Uh, uh, Brover officially had four shots on the on the night to lead the decor, and he had one great shot from the slot that was a terrific save by uh, Sam Montembeau, the latest Vezina Trophy quality goaltender playing against the Oilers. And the other one where uh, uh, Leon sent him in on the rush and he, and he came charging up the left side. A little bit of an angle, but he took it right to the net and he got a pretty hard shot. Uh, that was uh, not an easy stop either. And uh, I, I just liked his mobility and he just looked to be more in command. And this is uh, his third uh, stint in the NHL after a brief, brief uh, uh, send down earlier this week and it looks like he came back up with a bee in his bonnet and something to prove and uh, he's got something to prove but it's uh, high time he started to prove it and tonight he uh, started yeah I mean he's got the confidence of the coach I think uh, Woodcroft knows what this player is from from Bakersfield he knows what he has so mm-hmm. and that's really good that's that's a good thing um and what what I saw tonight was a lot more composure in his previous games yes. in Edmonton. I mean, he he did have a good stretch of games when he first came up, I, uh, as I recall. Like there was two or three games he was paired with CC, for instance, and he had a good game there. Uh, he had a good some good games in the bottom pairing, but this game he looked like a whole different level of composure defensively, which is you know obviously key for anyone in trying to make it in the NHL in, uh, in the defensive role. He looked in command on defense and uh, playing the playing the uh, his off side on the on the uh, right side. He looked really good. I mean, and that's that's a good development, especially. Well, we'll see if Evan Bouchard how sick. He, apparently, he, Evan Bouchard left the game because he was ill, so it, not an injury. But um, the orders can ill afford to lose another right shot uh, D man right now. Alrighty, Bruce, your bad. Th- bad thing what is your bad thing uh, i'm going to have to go with edmonton's uh, wretched special teams in this game uh which edmonton had uh, uh 654 on the power play uh during which time they mustered four shots and zero goals and allowed uh one uh possibly two shorthanded goals though in in truth it's hard to blame the power play for the one shorty that was scored just as a guy was coming out of the box off a four on four situation but they also got scored on again and the the uh uh video coach jeremy uh copel came through uh, to save the power play for that embarrassment when darnell nurse coughed the puck up uh build a meter outside of the edmonton blue line apparently and uh and a uh, Laurent Dauphin went in. Uh, Montreal, I think, fourth liner went in and made a uh, uh, a very uh, weak deke from the side and managed to open Mike Smith up like a can opener and slide it along the ice right into the middle of the net off his backhand. Anyway, the power play got let off the hook there. Meanwhile, the, the penalty kill uh, on their first two opportunities... Uh, to kill penalties, they gave up three power play goals. <laughs> they got a second life on the on the one with the other video review call, and 30 seconds got put back on the clock. And 30 seconds later, the same guy that scored on them earlier got the same shot from the same place and beat the same goalie for the second time. And I tell you, I mean, this is against the Montreal power play uh, that came into this game ranked 31st in the National Hockey League. I believe that's correct. And let me pull it up here again. 
percentage kill is yeah 31st in the league and they went bang scored on the first one bang scored on their second one. oh didn't count oh we gotta got it back bang still scored on their second one and uh, meanwhile uh edmonton's uh highly ranked power play was lined up against the montreal penalty kill which ranks uh 29th in the league and couldn't get it done on so both special teams i thought were wretched and just to put a, a icing i mean a four and four team which you could argue is a special team uh it got caught with its pants down and then the last special team the six on five they they got a chance and the puck was in edmonton's net within what 10 seconds eight seconds off the offensive zone face off like nothing lose the draw, can't keep the puck in, can't contain the play in the net. The penalty kill was weird. They, they're, 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 the same kind of thing was happening again and again with the, with the puck being move, moved over to a Montreal attacker kind of above the face-off circle mm-hmm. and him just being allowed to move right in, essentially. Mm-hmm. And, and there was some disjointedness. Um, first one, Yamamoto, I thought, was, was really out to lunch. He, he got up too high. He moved too high to the point, and that opens up the space then for the guy to come down the wing, like to fill in that space behind him. You have a four-on-three all of a sudden down there. And um, the next dry settle and Kane were the culprits on the next goal, where Leon backed away trying to stop the crossing, but really his job is to to move up and take away that shot. And Kane um, got a little too high there as well. So he wasn't able to get over. He was also picked off legally. Like, you know, got, you're allowed to get in a guy's way legally. So... Um, there was some disjointedness there. I mean, they really missed the Nuge in this situation. I mean, he's, he doesn't, that doesn't happen when he's out there. Um, so as much, hardly at all, he and Hyman are really good together. That's their top PK unit. And, and, and this, this was his presence was, he was missed both on the power play, I think, and on the shorthanded situations. We're seeing that. Well, Yamamoto had two chances to clear the puck before oh, he got yeah. caught too high in the zone. Both times he was unable to, first time he couldn't get it by a Canadian. The second time, I think he hit his own teammate, Derek Ryan, with the clearance pass. And and uh, both times the puck stayed in and they stayed out for long shift, probably well over a minute. And of course, eventually the puck wound up in the net. I still like, and I still don't like the two sh- shorter players on the ice together in the PK Yamamoto and Ryan. I I I do, I th- I think it al- allows for passing lanes. One of them works with, in tandem with a with a player who's a bit more of a space eater, but um, together they they're giving up they give up too many crossing passes. Bruce, my bad thing. Ah, and, and I hate to almost <laughs> hate to, but Mike Smith was just. He looked like he was a hundred years old in this game, and um, I don't know, Bruce. I just think this experiment's got to end. They've got to send him to the minors to get his game back. He is costing them games. He cost them this game. The, the grade A shots were about equal in, in yeah. this game, in the five alarm shots, and the Habs got four goals plus the two others. I mean, yeah. where he he didn't look good on. Like I, I I didn't watch the one by Dauphin so closely. I watched the the first one by Suzuki, and I thought that outside shot. I thought he should have had that. He had a clear clear view of it, and I just thought uh, the, the first disallowed goal by Suzuki. I think he should have had. But on the goals that he did allow, um, 
we had him at fault on two of them. And the the first one is the second power play goal, where there's just a hard outside shot, but he has a clear sight line on it. And when a goalie's sharp, he'll eat that up. He will swallow that puck and get a whistle, or he'll put it in the corner. And Smith just put it, barfed it up right, right back into the slot. And Loggison, you know, we marked Loggison down for not stopping that shot. It was a pretty hard play for William Loggison. Um, it went right to the shooter and right in the net. So it's like a turnover, David. A rebound yeah. like that's like a turnover. Yeah, I think we should take Loggison off as responsible, honestly. I, you know, it's maybe right on the guy's thick and in the net. Because the only thing you could say is he could have anticipated, like, be over there a rebound? little. Well, just, and yeah, anticipate <laughs> yeah, something's going to happen. And so just be on the guy. All right. So, uh, and then the other one was the fourth goal. And this is the breakout. Montreal's breaking up the ice. And uh, the guy goes behind the net and puts it back through the puts it back through the uh, slot to a wide open player. So on this play, there's a number of players at fault. There's, there's a uh, Hyman and Yamamoto who, who it's, they have, it's a four on four, I think at that point, but yes. they have three forwards out Yes. and both Hyman and Yamamoto get too far up the ice. So they're caught out and nurse is back and nurse does a good job initially forcing the guy to the outside, but he allows the pass through the slot, back through the slot, and Yamamoto and Hyman aren't back in time to stop the shot. But in the meantime, Smith has reacted so strongly to the guy with the with the puck, he's he's flailed and flopped right out of the net. He's taken himself right out of the play in a very kind of awkward way. And it wasn't his only awkward moment in the game. There's a moment where he falls back into the net, either on purpose or not on purpose, and he takes the penalty. But on that play, Bruce, he just, he is not the goalie he was last year. Injuries have taken a huge toll on his game. This is not working. This isn't working. This isn't close to working. And it is time to end this experiment of him working his way into game shape in the NHL. I don't think it can happen anymore. I think he's got to go to the AHL at this point and see if he can work it out there and call up Stuart, Stuart Skinner. And I will, I think they're actually going to do it. Well, oh, it's high time that they consider doing something because <sighs> what they're doing is not working. Uh, I mean, Stuart Skinner went down last night and basically stole two points for Bakersfield again. And then they got this tonight where Edmonton's putative number one goalie gets badly outperformed by Montreal's, what, number five goalie? What is I mean, it's not Carey Price. He's not Jake Allen. And then there's a list of other guys down further down below them. And this guy was by far the best goalie in this game. And I mean, Smith, for all, the goals that we didn't fault him on were shots from the high slot. That, yeah. uh, and he's like all the way back on the goal line all the time. Like he's never even on the top of his crease, David. He's like, he's like he's Eddie Shore has got him his neck tied to the crossbar. You remember that uh, Eddie Shore and the, and the, uh, uh, Springfield Indians, they were called the uh, minor league uh, team in the AHL that uh, was not affiliated with any NHL team. And Eddie Shore was their manager coach, and he was a despot. And he used to threaten his goalies, and I guess he did it in practice a couple of times to tie them to their to their nets. <laughs> well, Smith, for all of his famous wandering and puck handling skills, when the other team's got the puck, it's like he's rooted onto the goal line. I bet if you if you did a forensic analysis of his skates, you'd find red paint on them from the actual goal line because that's where he is all the time. Like never is cutting down on any angles, and he's uh, I, he's fighting it. Now he's fighting hard. Like I, 
I, I'm going to be careful as to how I'm going to criticize him because I don't think it has anything to do with effort or desire or any of those things. I just think, I think he's hurt. I really do. I think he's been hurt since October 19th. I don't think he's ever been right since he came back. Yeah, he's he's been in the NHL for for how many seasons? Like this isn't a, like this guy is driven, absolutely driven yeah. to succeed. And Bruce, we're saying all this as people who really like. Mike Smith as a player. I think I think heading into the season, I said he was my favorite player on you the did. Oilers. I did. Oh, and, you did. <laughs> and and um he it's because he was such a team leader last year. I mean, he played really well, but he also he seemed to fire up that team and inspire the team. He, he was he's uh he played great hockey. And this year it's been I agree, it's one injury after another. And this is why I'm saying he's got to go to the farm. Like he's gotta work this out somewhere else this him being on the goal line is not a bug it is the feature of his game like he, he on the on the suzuki goal that was disallowed that's why i'm saying like that was on him it was yeah. not a it was a it was a good shot but he was way back he was yeah. way back in his net how are you going to stop that way back like how are you going to stop these these bullet shots from the just to the edge of the great a area you know the edge of the the, the kill zone and he's yeah. not he's not stopping those consistently like get a save, make a save. And he did. There were, as we say, nine, uh, five alarm shots. There was lots of tough shots for Mike Smith tonight and he saved some of them. He looked good. He, you know, he stopped some, stopped at least one breakaway and he made some other really good stops, but there was so many bad rebounds. There was, you know, there was another bad rebound in the second that led to two five alarm shots from his, from his, uh, rebound play. Something's not on. And, um, well, Okay. I, I don't know what they're going to do. do. What do you think? Do you think they actually will take action now, Bruce? Is, uh, they might just call Skinner up and have three yeah. goalies. Well, That's maybe. probably what they'll do. Maybe, <laughs> but send, but him, send him down. Them. Send him down to give him a chance to get his game together. No one's going to take his contract. So send him down. Yeah, well, it's got to uh, be ringing alarm bells at some point. You know, you wonder about what's going on. The general manager here, he used to be a goalie, for goodness sake. He was a goalie. You should expect him to be an expert on goalies. Well, here we are. Maybe he's... So the heading into the game, I wrote a post about this. Yeah. And the only thing I said that gave me a ray of hope on this whole thing was, in the 2019-20 season, um, in October, excuse me, in November and December, Smith went through a longer run of games than, than the one he's on where he played atrocious hockey, like, like an 850 save percentage over 12 games or something like that. It was, it was in that range. And he, and I thought, and most fans thought, I think he's done as a goalie. He's it's, it's over. This is, we, we've seen this in the past where he's not played well. Tippett stuck with him and was re- rewarded. He played in the, you know, in the rest of the season and fought a couple of months of the season, he had a, like a 911 or a 913 save percentage, something like that, above league average, and he and he played well, and then came back last year and was fantastic. He really was. He had the arguably the best year ever that we've seen for a goalie that age last season. So um, I was certainly rooting for him. I'm still rooting for him, and I think, like, if you want to frame this positively. Maybe they can't trade for a goalie, Bruce. Maybe there's not a trade to be had. Um, that's going to make sense for the orders. There's just not going to be someone available um, at the right price. So they might still need Mike Smith. 
They need to find out if Stuart Skinner can play or not at the NHL level, if he can carry this team into the playoffs. Because it's happened that goalies come up from the HL after solid runs of play there, as Stuart Skinner has had, and they, they can do that. If Skinner cannot do that, they need to know if they can get something out of Mike Smith. And the only way to find that out, I think, is to have him go to Bakersfield for a month and see if he can get his game in order. Play him a lot down there. See if he can work out the kinks and get back to where he was last season. So it's to, it is not to hurt Mike Smith that you do this. It's to give him one last chance at an NHL career and about helping the Oilers this season. That's why you do it. Yeah, I'll be interested to see if it happens. I think it's more like they put him on IR, to tell you the truth. And I do think he's hurt. I don't think he's... And, you know, maybe uh, giving Skinner the look is the thing. Uh, somebody on Twitter pointed out yesterday, and it's right on, uh, Dallas Stars, they have two veteran goalies in Braden Holtby and Anton Hudobin, and a 23-year-old kid exact same age as Stuart Skinner. And guess who's taken over the number one reins of the team after, you know, they gave him solid chances through the first half, and all of a sudden, oh, Jake Ottinger, he is the number one goalie in Dallas, and they're on a roll. And in Edmonton, it's like Skinner's third choice, a third choice, a third choice. And uh, since um, uh, his first two games of the season, Smith was good. And I mentioned October 19th that he got hurt against Anaheim. Including that game, he is 877 with a 386 goals against average, three wins, eight losses, and one other loss. He's not helping the team. He just no. does not help. It's time to act. Like and, and I suspect you're right, Bruce, that he'll go on to IR. He looked like he got shaken up tonight, and that's probably the most likely thing. That said, then, well, maybe then you can get a two-week conditioning stint, at least, you know, out of it in, in right. Bakersfield at the end of that, instead of trying this again, because this isn't, they've tried this, what, two times, three times now? This isn't working. Yeah. yeah. I don't think anything's going to work. Like, if I had to bet on it, I'm really hoping for the player. I don't think he's got, I don't think he's he's healthy enough to come back um this year at least and um he's got a contract for next year so we'll see what happens then but it's time to move on it really is and we'll see do something different because this uh yeah. this recipe is not working it is not so. and the other thing is jay woodcroft knows Stuart skinner obviously and has worked with him for for what three three years three four years now so um that there's some comfort there's a comfort level there too that could that could uh benefit both the player and the team. All right, your number, Bruce. Yeah, my number also relates to Mike Smith, and that's 11 of 13. And that's of Mike Smith's uh, last 13 starts, dating back to October 19th. Uh, he has, uh, in 11 of them, allowed at least two goals in the first period. He always given up two or more goals, some, one time three, one time four, Goals in the first period on his watch, and he's given up in those 13 first periods, one of which wasn't even complete, 26 goals. And you wonder why the Oilers are fighting uphill all the time. Well, when you give up two in the first period, you're going to be behind at the end of the period most of the time, or bad, tied at best. And it's just, he's not coming up with the stops early in the game, and it's, uh, it's, it's killing me. My bad thing is the first goal and um, your number. Excuse me, my my number. Yeah, sorry. Um, and the number is twelve. Okay. This was the twelfth time this year, Bruce, that the Oilers a bad line change has led to a grade A shot against. It's only the second time it's led to a goal against this year, and um, 
man alive. So when I was watching the play, I initially, I just couldn't believe what I saw with Nima Linen's pass. I'm thinking, what, you know, who does that? Throws it blindly up the boards, you know, awkwardly blindly up the boards, not taking a look and, <laughs> and passes it right to Miko Koskinen. It's a finish thing. Uh, Passes it right to the wrong guy, just like Miko Koskinen did. He passed it to a sniper, Kubalek, and this time it went to Cole Caulfield, right? Like the last guy on the Habs, you want to give time to walk right in off the wing and pick his shot. So initially I was really down on Nima Linen and thinking, and then I thought, I, I need to take one more look because if you think about it, Caulfield was right at the blue line. Why was there no Oilers winger there? So what, if you go back and watch the replay, what you'll see is Zach Hyman coming straight across the ice rather slowly. And instead of thinking, oh, it's in our zone and um, maybe not change until I get out of the zone, he skates there. And Niemelainen sees him evidently uh, skating across the ice and thinks he's going to be there on the wing and I'm going to pass it to him. And instead Hyman shifts off and there's no one there. There's a ghost. And so instead of passing it to Zach Hyman, um, another player shifts on and there's no one there. And, and Niemelainen didn't look up to check again which was his mistake right. and goal again so he he did make a mistake it wasn't oh, quite yeah. as horrendous as as i thought it wasn't, initially it wasn't a solo unassisted error yeah we thought. but that was a bad line change that that hyman made and and uh hyman had a rough night in some regards like he was caught on a couple caught up ice a couple times he was caught up ice we already mentioned the, the fourth goal where he was caught up ice and um that was that was a like you might expect Hyman, or excuse me, Niemelainen, and he might be thinking, well, Niemelainen has full possession of the puck. He's going to take it behind the net and wait for the line change, right? He's got Niemelainen has to be game aware, right? He's got to be a smart player, and and this should allow Hyman to change off. So he he might have honestly been thinking that too, and and that might have been um, not crazy to think that as a player, right? You're expecting your teammates to kind of know. Um, who's going to be shifting on and off, and if it's time for a line change. This is what NHL players should know. So, um, you know, that might be Hyman's defense on the play. Uh, nonetheless, I'm going to call it a bad line change. Well, I'd make the argument that the same player could be charged with a bad line change on the 4-2 goal. Uh, and it was the kind of bad line change we don't assign as such where the player is coming on the ice. Usually it's a guy slacking on the way to the bench that gets her goat. But this was a case where it was four on four. The power play was just about to come because, of course, the Oiler guy was coming out of the box first and it was going to give Edmonton a power play. And the four on four, Cody Ceci, the Oilers got the puck deep into Montreal's zone. Cody Ceci went off. Hyman came over the boards and they were setting up for the power play. But at this point, it's still four on four. They got three forwards, one defenseman. And Hyman coming off Edmonton's bench just sort of drifts up and into Montreal territory, covering nobody. And high in the zone doing nothing. Montreal makes one pass and all of a sudden it's 2-1-1. Because guess what? Montreal's got two forwards on the ice. And guess what? Edmonton's only got one defenseman. And yeah. It was, yeah. you know, he, he needs to be aware of, okay, I'm checking in for a defenseman. Maybe I should be looking around and thinking, what's what could happen the other way here? And let us establish possession of the puck. And then I'm out for the power play as opposed to just coasting. So kind of, I think, a brain cramp. And Hyman had a good game. He was named second star in the building. But those are two mighty big mistakes, and they both wound up in Edmonton's net. So he's not yeah. going to be getting a great, great grade from me, despite the overall pretty decent effort from the player. He just made a couple of uh, 
costly mistakes. Yeah, he came off the bench and skated right into the red light red zone. Light yeah. <laughs> red I light district. Red light district. It was in the other yeah. teams, uh, you know, past the other team's blue line this time, but uh, yeah. that's where he was. Not, not covering anyone and not covering lane. many passing lanes. Yeah, that that's what that's what bad defense defending is in the NHL. That's the the epitome of it. And Yanni Pitkinen was famous for that, and um, we've seen it uh, from other players, not generally from Zach Hyman. He's a pretty no. smart player and it's yeah, pretty no, defensive. I, I got no real beefs with Hyman, but tonight he made mistakes and I wound up in Edmonton's net. All right. Who's next, Bruce? What do we got next? Oh, uh, we got a makeup game in Calgary on Monday, just at the time when the schedule maker had originally thought Edmonton needs a break here. We're given three days off and then they they'll carry on with their homestand next Wednesday. Well now we've got to go down to Calgary on Monday. And honestly this feels like a 12-game road trip. It really does. Like they, they. This is the third time in a row that the Oilers have played a single one game at home, and then immediately had to travel to another city to play their next game or games. And it's like they've never had any any uh, practice time, or you know, they've much downtime or home time. And it sounds like I'm making excuses. It's just facts. This schedule is vicious. And I almost dropped another word in there. Uh, this schedule is vicious, <laughs> and it's catching up with them. And and the team, you know, I mean, I'm going to point some of the some of the finger at uh, Ken Holland. You need a deep team to be able to to survive that. And of course, the injury bug is not helping at all. But the fact is that most nights the Oilers go out there and they got seven or eight forwards that the coach trusts to play, and they wind up playing. You know, Zach Hyman tonight, he played another 24 minutes. That's like the third or fourth game lately where he's played 24, 25, 26 minutes, and he's starting to make mistakes. Go figure. Call up Holloway. Call up Skinner. Like tonight. Maybe it's happened since we've been on doing this podcast. Call up those two guys. Saunders are playing right now, so I'd probably wait till that's over, but maybe tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Call him up. Get him here. Flying to Calgary. I think Holloway's from Calgary, isn't he? Um, and uh, let's see what they got. Let's see what they got. I think you can start uh, Koskinen in against Calgary. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, he's he's been playing well, but then the game after, like whatever comes next, go with Skinner. All right, Bruce, we'll see what happens. We'll Koskinen see what happens. Seven zero and two in his last nine. Smith's lost his last four in a row. You know. Yeah. Bottom line. Yeah. Um, so you got to change it up, and Koskinen's not the item that needs changing at this point in time. Indeed, indeed. All right, maybe they're going to make a trade. Maybe if they if they are going to get a goalie or a D man and like a D man to help out, maybe this is the moment when they where they pull the trigger on that. Um, we'll see. Thanks for talking tonight, Bruce. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the mean and in the meantime and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>